to turn with me again to Luke's Gospel and the chapter 16. I want to read again that verse number 23. And there we read in the Word of God, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. We'll bow together in prayer again, and let us ask the Lord to bless the preaching of the gospel this evening. Our Father and our God in heaven, we realize that what we have just read is a solemn passage in the Word of God. Father, I pray now that the weight of eternity would dawn upon this meeting, and the O God would speak to those who know not the Lord Jesus Christ, and may they flee tonight to the refuge that is even offered in Him. So bless our hearts tonight, give liberty in the preaching of Thy Word, honor Thyself and honor Thy name. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, Luke chapter 16 is one of the clearest passages in all of the Bible when it comes to the teaching of eternal punishment. Here we see a solemn and a sober picture of what it means for a man or for a woman to go out into God's great eternity. On the one hand, we're told of Lazarus and the fact that the angels came and carried his soul into heaven. But then we are also told of the rich man. And very simply, this man, when he died, he went to hell. And what a, what a picture that is. It really gives us uh, what is going to happen when it comes to the death of so many men and women in this world. They are either going to go to heaven or they are going to go to hell. And this seems to be a very obvious thing when we come to the Word of God, and yet we find that there are people who would profess to believe the Bible, and they would deny these things. They would deny what the Scripture clearly and plainly teaches. They would say it does not teach this doctrine of eternal punishment, and there are a few views that you'll see when it comes to this. One of them is called universalism. And this is the view that all human beings ultimately will gather, be gathered into the love of God and they will be saved. They say that not only will all human beings ultimately be saved, but some would go as far as to say that the devil and the fallen angels will be saved as well. They say God's love is so infinite, it's so clear that He would never allow anybody to go into an eternal punishment his love would not allow it. And so when someone dies and they, they go to hell or they go to this place that they say is temporary, what they claim is that that person throughout all of the years will constantly be getting chances and sooner or later they'll come to their senses, they'll embrace the love of God and they will pass in to heaven. Another view is the view of the Roman Catholic Church. There are some in the Roman Catholic Church who will come to Luke chapter 16 and they will say that this here is not eternal punishment, but it is purgatory. And they say purgatory is for purification. As so, as a person can, or so, as so that a person can achieve the holiness necessary to enter into the joy of heaven. And so they say that the rich man here, he went to a place to be purified, to be made holy to be made fit to go to heaven. And why do they assert this? Well, they say that this man shows compassion for his brethren. 
And so compassion is a grace of God. And they say then that as it's a grace of God, there couldn't any or there couldn't possibly be any grace of God in hell. And so this is not hell, it has to be purgatory. Now the reality is this is totally unscriptural. We see this man asking for Lazarus to be raised to go to his brethren, and did he do it out of compassion? I would suggest he didn't. He did it out of selfishness. Because he knew if his brethren were to come to that place, it would only add to his suffering. It would only add to his torment. It would only add to what he is going through and experiencing at this time. And let us ask this question, if this was a temporary place, if this is only purgatory, well then why would he be bothered? Sure, they're only going to come and be purified, and they're only going to come for a temporary time. Sure, we'll all go to heaven anyway. What's the point in worrying? And so it just does not stand to the test of Scripture. Another view is annihilationism. They say when someone dies, their soul will be destroyed and their body will eventually perish. So essentially, when someone dies, they no longer exist. You think of what it says in Mark chapter 14, verse 21, the words of the Savior. He says, The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Do you imagine, or you can imagine here, the Savior is speaking about Judas Iscariot. And how he was about to betray him. And he says it would have been better if Judas had not been born than for him to do what he's about to do. Because we know that this action led to Judas losing his soul. And so why would the Savior say it would have been better if this man had never existed if he wasn't going to exist anyway? Again, annihilationism does not stand up to what the Bible teaches And so the Savior is clearly teaching here about the doctrine of eternal punishment. And so understand tonight, this is a very solemn thing for those of you who are not saved. Because this is your destination. This is where you will go if you die without the Lord Jesus Christ. You will go to what the Bible here describes as hell. And you will be lost forever. And you will never come out of that place and you will never be rescued, and you will never be saved. And we see the Savior saying these words. Why does He say them? He says them to warn you. You see, so many would accuse us of manipulating people, of trying to scare people, of all of these things when we come to passages like this. But we're not trying to manipulate. We're not trying to scare you. We're trying to warn you. And that's what the Lord Jesus is doing here. You remember, He's speaking to men that despised Him, that hated Him. And so, it could be said that it would have been better if He had not said a word about hell, yet in His love and in His mercy, He has compassion on them, and He warns them that at this instant, at this moment, they are on their way to a lost eternity. And so we come tonight and we see this passage, and I want you to take, make close attention, or pay close attention to it, because it gives you some sobering truths about hell, and it tells you some things that you must remember about hell. So that's what I want to to speak about this evening in this gospel service, things we must remember about hell. The first thing we must remember is who it is for. Who is hell for? Well, I went to an internet article, and it's a website 
uh, called Time.com. And the author goes on in that article to speak about hell and what the Bible says about it. And he makes a, a, a conclusion. He says, Plenty tremble before the possibility of eternal misery. Possibly this is a good time to help people realize that it simply will not be that way. And so he comes with words of comfort, and he essentially says to people, you're thinking about hell, you're thinking about what the Bible says, but just don't worry about it. It'll all work out in the end, and it just simply will not be that way. And maybe that's like you in the meeting this evening. You're in the gospel service, and you maybe have intentions in the future of getting saved. You maybe think, well, I'll get saved another day. I'll think about the things of God when I'm right and when I'm ready. And you think, well, I'll just walk out of the meeting tonight. I'll take the risk. I'll walk away without the Savior, and everything will just turn out okay. It will not be that way. Things will be all right. It'll just pan out exactly how I have planned it here tonight. And yet the reality is there have been many like you. There have been many who said it'll all work out. I know I can get saved when I want to get saved. I know I can get ready when I want to get ready. And yet the reality is that so many do this and it turns out to be exactly that way. And this man here is denying that there is Uh, a hell in the sense that he denies that anybody is going to go there. But you think of what the Lord says in Matthew 25, verse 41. He says, Then shall he say also unto them in the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And here it gives us the original intention of this place of punishment because it is a place for the devil and his angels, those that have rebelled against God and against His glory. They go into their everlasting punishment. But we want to notice here Matthew chapter 25 speaks not intentionally of the devil and his angels. The Lord says, Depart from me, ye cursed. And He's speaking there to those who were not saved. He's speaking to those who know not Him as Savior. And in verse 32, we see this great reality that all nations are bought before, brought before Him. All men and women. Every single person that ever lived. And He gives to those who know Him not their eternal reward. And He tells multitudes to depart from Him to be cast away from His presence into everlasting punishment. And so I say to you tonight, do not be slack concerning this warning, but realize for you it will be that way if you will not come. And it may even be that way tonight if you will not repent. Look, chapter 16 and the verse number 23 is very solemn. It says, And in hell he lift up his eyes. And we see the great reality that dawns upon this man. He now, now knows that he is experiencing eternal punishment. He now knows that he is in hell. And what is solemn about this is the truth that just a verse earlier we read of this man's death. We read of the great fact that he died and it seems to be it's no sooner that he dies than he lifts up his eyes in hell. 
It's no sooner that he goes to the grave and he realizes then he has entered into eternal punishment. And what a great truth this is. As soon as the sinner dies, as soon as they close their eyes in death, as soon as the soul departs, it's no longer that person goes out into eternity. And this great truth comes in hell. See how sudden that is. You see how quick that is. You see how swiftly you can be taken out of this world and just open up your eyes in a lost eternity? That's just a heartbeat away. That's just a breath away. That's just a second away where God can come to you tonight. Take your life. Decide that your time is done and then inhale. As quick as that. Here is the truth. You could drop into hell tonight from this gospel meeting. You could drop into a lost eternity from the seat that you sit on. So the great truth is being brought before you. Who is hell for? It is for those who will not take heed to the warnings of the gospel and will not come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see at the end of this chapter, of course, the fact that the rich man wanted Lazarus to go and to tell his brethren about this awful place. And look at the response Abraham gives him in verses 29 to 31. It says, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he saith unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And you see the reasoning here. Abraham comes to him and he says, you're talking to me about resurrections and signs and wonders, and you're not going to get it. And again, that's an attitude we'll get in our world in these days. People will say, prove God is real. Give me a sign. Make it conclusive to me. And yet the Lord will not give them a sign because He's given them a witness. And He's given them the means whereby He saves sinners, and that is the Word of God. And so we come to the Bible and we see God speaking very clearly. And He gives us this means of escape. And he comes to you tonight and he says to you, take heed to the Word of God. Take heed to the Scriptures. Take heed to what is being said. And find that central theme that I have in my Word. And of course, we know that Abraham speaks of Moses and the prophets. And Moses and the prophets, who did they speak of? They spoke of Christ. Think of John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. It says, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. And again, do you see what the Savior is saying? He says, search the Scriptures. Go to Moses. Go to the prophets. Go to the Bible. And there you'll find me. And that's what he's doing here. He's pointing these men to himself, these men, as I've said earlier, that despised him. And he's coming to them. And he said, would you not go to the Word of God? And when you go there, there is no doubt you're going to find me. And when you find me, come to me and embrace me and have me. And look what he says in verse 40, a a tragic verse. Ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. Is that the case with you? You will not come to Him. And I tell you, He will give you life. There's abundant life, eternal life in Him, and yet ye still will not come. I read another article about 
Many accidental deaths that happened in Canada due to risk-taking. There's a man called Roger Sire, and he spoke about the fact that so many people, when they went to approach a train track, they lost their lives. The reality was that when they saw all of the lights flashing, when they saw all of the warnings about danger, most people put their foot on the accelerator with the hope that they were going to beat the train. So many, as a consequence of that, they lost their lives and they went out into great and in God's great eternity. And that's what it's like for so many. They have all of the warnings in Scripture. They're told of the, the means of escape, and yet they think, they think they can outrun God. They think they can outrun eternity. They think they can outrun death. And they think then that all will be okay. And I'll say to you tonight, you will never outrun God. You will never outrun death. You will never outrun eternity. It's time to face the reality. You must get to the Savior tonight. Think of those words in Isaiah 14, verse 6. It says, Hell, and this is speaking about the grave, by the way. Hell from beneath thee is moved for them to meet thee at thy coming. No matter how far you run, no matter how far you try to get away out of this gospel meeting, you will never outrun hell. Because if God wills it, you will drop down and you will be lost forever. I ask you, will you come to Christ tonight that ye might have life? Or will it be you'll be one who goes to the place for those who will reject Christ? on this earth. Second thing I want you to remember about hell is how long it is for. This comes to the heart of a question that we have considered already. Universalism, Roman Catholicism, they'll say, well, there is a holding place that is not forever. Roman Catholics speaking about purgatory, universalism saying, yes, there, there is a hell, but it's only a temporary place. The most obvious verse here is verse number 26. It says, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And so we're getting the idea here of two different places. And there is the obvious idea that they cannot be passed between one another. But we'll, we'll prove this further. You think of verse 22. What does the Bible tell us? It tells us that Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham in the Bible, we know very well, is presented to us as a father. In Galatians 3, 7, it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And Abraham is a father to his children because he's such an example of salvation and of justification by faith alone. And of course, he is the father of the physical descendants of, uh, or is the father of, yes, his physical descendants in Israel, but he's also that great spiritual father to the church who shows us this great way of salvation, as I said, by justification by faith. But in biblical times, to be gathered uh, into the presence of a father, of the children gathered around him, people would have said they've gathered into their father's bosom. And so the idea here is that Lazarus is gathered into the bosom of Abraham. That is, he is gathering now in his presence. 
And again, Matthew 8 and 11, it backs this up. It says, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And so it's conclusive here. Where is Lazarus? Well, Lazarus is in the presence of Abraham. And where is Abraham? Abraham is in glory. And so we're getting this picture that uh, Lazarus has went to glory and the other man has went to the intermediate state. He's went to hell. And so the truth is this, the Bible is making it absolutely clear, the rich man was in hell, he was in the intermediate state, and therefore he could not cross into heaven. It was an impossibility. It was not going to happen. And so any doctrine that says that this man was eventually going to get out of this place is wrong, because the Bible says this man could not pass from where he was into heaven. There was this great gulf fixed. And so if you go to a lost eternity, you will not cross your way into heaven. You will never find yourself in glory. You see the great truth. Your future without Christ is for all of eternity. And in Matthew 25, verse 46, we get this thought again. Because it says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life. Second Thessalonians verse 1, verse 8 and 9, or chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, "...and flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will punish with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power." One more verse. Revelation fourteen eleven. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Thomas Watson said of these words, If at the end of all that time the sinner might come out of hell, there would be some hope, but that word ever breaks the heart. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. How clear then is the Word of God? The decision you make tonight in the gospel could be an everlasting decision. It could seal your everlasting destiny. And so do you see how weighty this is tonight? Do you see how desperate your situation is? I say to you tonight, it's time you got right with God. Or be prepared for a lost eternity? Are you willing to die eternally? Are you willing to be lost forever? Are you willing to go to a place that has no hope whatsoever? Proverbs 11 says, or Proverbs 11, 7 says, When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust man perisheth. And so when you go to a lost eternity, all your hope, all your ambition all your dreams, everything, it all perishes. And you will be lost forever. And right now, there are many souls and they're perishing and they only have one hope and it's the resurrection. But the resurrection for them is a resurrection of dishonor and death where God will bring the body and soul together and He will punish both and the lake of fire forever. 
You see how hopeless that is. The Lord is saying to them, essentially, your punishment, your existence is only going to get worse. Your hopelessness will be worse. Your despair is only going to get worse. There is no mercy. There is no grace. And there is no salvation. What a place to be. And yet tonight there is mercy. There is grace. There is salvation. There is a way. I pray you'll come to the Savior and know it. One more thing, what is it for? That's the last thing we must remember about hell. What is it for? Hell is essentially a place of punishment. In Luke, 23, or Luke 16, verse 23 to 24, it says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And this theme is coming out of punishment. This man is being described as being torment or tormented, and then he cries out in that torment to Abraham, I am tormented in these flames. And so he's coming here and he's expressing this idea that he is in agony, that he is suffering, that he is in pain. And what do we see here? Do we see purification? Do we see the Lord purging him? No, we see the Lord punishing him because hell is a place of punishment. The Lord and His retributive justice comes and pours out His wrath upon the sinner. And there then is going to be that mental, that physical punishment of the person forever. Now it speaks about the fact that they are tormented in this flame. Now, there are some that would take this very literally and say it's a literal fire, it's a literal flame. Some would see this as an expression of punishment. But let me just read a few verses here just to give you an idea of what the Bible wants to say to us. Hebrews 12 and 29, it says, For our God is a consuming fire. And Nahum 1 verse 6 says, Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. And so the association is here of fire and the Lord. And the expression here is, brother or sister, whether you take this literally or whether you think this is an expression of punishment, the, the thought here is the fact that this man is in hell and yet God is present with him. God is there. We speak so often about being separated from God, but the idea here is of alienation. You're alienated from God tonight. You have no relationship with Him. You're not in Christ. And yet the Bible says, as you go into an everlasting hell, you will still be alienated from Him. That's what it means to be separated from Him. You will be alienated from Him, and yet He will always be there. And He will always be present with you. And He will always be present to punish you day and night forever. You will be alienated from God and you will hate Him forever and He will hate you in your sin forever. And then He will punish you personally, really, for all of eternity. 
Revelation 14.10 says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. There the Lamb is there, the Lamb of God. The Son of God is there. And he will punish you. The Bible says here, uh, his wrath is like that wine that is without mixture. That just simply means it is not diluted. It is not held back. God will not withhold one iota of his fury and his infinite power in punishing you forever. I say to you, I cannot put it into words what that will mean. But I do know that it will be absolutely horrific, it will be horrifying. I do know it will be not to be compared with anything with regard to worldly punishment. It will be the punishment of an infinite, angry, holy God. And you will never escape Him. And you will never be free from His fury. The rich man asked just for a, a bit of cool water to cool his tongue. He didn't receive that. God would not grant that to him. God would not grant him any mercy. And God will never grant you any mercy in hell. No, there will only be anger. There will only be punishment forever. And yet, let's go tonight to the cross of Calvary. See, Christ knows what it is to face an angry God. Because on the cross of Calvary, He met with the Lord, His Father, and He was punished. And the Lord poured out His wrath upon Him. And the Lord punished him for the sins of his people. And so I say to you tonight, in Christ there is no condemnation. In Christ there is no wrath. In Christ there is no punishment. Because Christ has satisfied it all. In him then there is this great means of escape. So I say flee to him tonight. Flee from the wrath to come that storm that is going on within your soul tonight, that fear, that anxiety, that worry, Christ will bring you peace. You will no longer be a child of wrath, but a child of God. But I say to you, leave this meeting without Christ. Prepare to be punished, if it be the will of God. Please remember what is said in these words tonight. Remember what awaits you. Remember where you're going to go if you're lost. Remember what God says about hell. I pray you'll bless His word to all of our hearts tonight. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Let us bow together in prayer. Again, we'll ask the Lord to bless us as we part one from the other. And as I said earlier in the meeting, I'm going to be running away here, but there are brethren here who can speak to you with regard to what has been said tonight. So if you'd like to speak to somebody, please do approach one of the brethren, ask them to speak to you about the Word of God, and they will open the Word of God to you, and they will lead you to the Savior, if that is what you desire. But let us ask the Lord now to bless us. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word that warns us of the great eternity. Lord, I pray tonight that there would be some who would take heed, take heed to the warning that without Christ, they are lost, and they are undone. Lord, dare any to die in this meeting tonight without Him. 
I pray that those speak. I pray that those strive with them. And I pray that those draw them irresistibly into union with thy Son. Bless us now, undertake, part us with thy fear and with thy mercy. Ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.